The old pilot's plain tales. A funny thing happened on the way to the moon. The year is 1957 and the space race is underway. The major powers around the world, mainly the Soviet Union and the United States, are all striving to develop the technology that will allow them to reach outer space. The Soviet Union's Academy of Sciences' prime aim was to beat the Americans into Earth orbit, and their top-secret Sputnik project was about to reward all the efforts put in by a generation of scientists and engineers. Sputnik 1 was soon to be placed atop an R-7 rocket and launched into a low orbit to become the first artificial Earth satellite. The R-7 had already flown and become the world's first intercontinental ballistic missile, but on the 4th of October 1957, the national pride and kudos that would rain down on the Soviet Union following their technical marvel would be immeasurable. But what if they hadn't been the first? How might the tensions of the Cold War been eased had someone else achieved this milestone? It actually might have happened a couple of months earlier, on the 26th of July. It was part of Operation Plumbob, a series of 29 nuclear explosions meant to study various aspects of this weapon. American scientists blew up and irradiated several hundred pigs, involved 18,000 members of the US military in the rigours of a nuclear battlefield, and exposed a number of Air Force officers and a photographer to the effects of a nuclear air-to-air -air missile. Bombs were carried aloft by balloons and then detonated, whilst some were aimed at simulating the effects of an explosion following an aircraft crash. Pascal A, a low-wheeled device, was the first underground test ever conducted, and it was placed into a 500-foot uncapped shaft in the Nevada test site. About halfway down the shaft, there was a two-ton concrete plug, five feet thick, with a hole in the middle for one of many sensors that would measure the effects of the explosion to look through. These were still early days of nuclear weapon development, so when ignited, the blast yield was considerably higher by a factor of a mere 50,000 than expected, and a jet of fiery blue plasma was ejected several hundred feet into the air. It was described by observers as... The biggest damn Roman candle you ever saw. It was beautiful. Big blue glow in the sky. The two-ton concrete plug was completely vaporized. The second underground test, Pascal B, originally named Galileo B, was lowered into a similar borehole 
three feet wide and 485 feet, 148 meters deep. This time the concrete plug was placed only a few feet above the bomb, and the top of the hole was capped with a circular slab of four-inch thick armour that weighed a couple of thousand pounds, around a metric tonne, and which was welded into position. When all was prepared, the countdown commenced. Five, four, three... And the recorders were started... Two, one, zero... Including a high-speed camera that was aimed at the top of the shaft and was running at one frame every millisecond. In the depths of the borehole, a flash more than a million times brighter than the sun went almost unobserved, apart from the momentary readings from the sensors around the bomb before they were obliterated, and the shaft of superheated flame that escaped from the top. The special cameras were whirring at their frantic speed, eating up miles of film in seconds, and in the aftermath, the photographic specialists poured over the results. There, captured on a single frame, was an image of a large circular manhole cover, rocketing upwards so fast that a millisecond later it was already out of sight. Many years later, Dr. Robert Brownlee, the astrophysicist who designed the test in question, was interviewed about what happened. What time does the shock arrive at the top of the pipe? 31 milliseconds. And what happens? The shock reflects back down the hole, but the pressures and temperatures are such that the welded cap is bound to come off the hole. How fast does it go? My calculations are irrelevant on this point. They are only valid in speaking of the shock reflection. How fast did it go? Those numbers are meaningless. I only have a vacuum above the cap. No air, no gravity, no real material strengths in the iron cap. Effectively, the cap is just loose, traveling through meaningless space. And how fast is it going? Six times the escape velocity from the Earth. A few years after Robert Brownlee's recollections of his time working in the Nevada desert, NASA launched the New Horizons Interplanetary Space Probe on its decades-long mission to fly by Jupiter, Pluto, and then the Kuiper Belt object, Arrokoth. Launched atop a massive Atlas V, it was fired directly into an Earth and solar escape trajectory, with a speed of 58,500 kilometers per hour, or 36,400 miles per hour, which is 10.1 miles every second, and hailed as the fastest human-made object to have ever been launched from planet Earth. Not so fast there, everyone who knows of Brownlee's flying manhole cover said. The calculations that were made at the time, and verified in recent years, put the speed of the Pascal B. borehole cap at a conservative 
200,000 kilometers per hour or 125,000 miles per hour, about 35 miles per second, dwarfing the efforts made by the New Horizons probe. Whether or not the cap actually made it into space is still a topic of debate. No trace of it was ever found, and some believe that it could have been vaporized in the same manner as a meteorite burning up on entry into the Earth's atmosphere but in reverse. Others theorize that the object may have survived its unconventional launch into outer space and beaten Sputnik by one month and nine days. NASA have never found it in orbit, but then it is small and dark and was not fired in an orbital trajectory, which requires a downrange velocity of around 17,000 miles an hour, 27,400 kilometers per hour, to maintain an orbit at an altitude of, say, 150 miles, 242 kilometers. If an object achieves over 25,000 miles an hour, 40,320 kilometers per hour, it will completely escape Earth's gravity and fly off into space. Possessing around five times this velocity, if it survived its transit through the atmosphere, the manhole cover will probably now have left our solar system and be making its way into the deepest, darkest corners of the galaxy. I wonder if anyone wrote anything on it. Plane Tales is a featured segment of the Airline Pilot Guy show, and you can find out all about that lovely podcast at airlinepilotguy.com. Plane Tales is also a standalone podcast, and if you're interested in helping us along, we'd be very grateful if you could go to your podcast app and perhaps leave us a review. Many thanks, and thanks for listening.